another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. So great to be connected today. And we are in a series on hope, in fact, here at Life. And I've been so moved to think about how when you have hope, there is a harvest that comes from it. Uh, We've looked at a number of things. We've talked about being anchored in hope, about activating hope and how that there are even limiters of hope, things that we can fall prey to that would take the hope that we need to live. But today I want to talk about the fact that when you live with hope, you create a harvest. And I really believe it's hope that catapults us toward our God-given destiny. And you, you might be online today, you might be connected through whatever medium and you're going, what do you mean there's a God-given destiny? God created you. God created me and God believes in us and God loves us. And there are two worlds at work. You've often heard about light and darkness. God is for us, but there's an enemy that wants to attack our hope because if he can take our hope, particularly in troubled times, then we tend to give up and we tend to find ourselves in a place where we can't reach into the wonder of what God can do through it. And I just want to encourage you today, wherever you find yourself, don't be dictated to by your current perspective. Don't allow the circumstance or the prognosis to hem you in and hold you in a place of going, well, we may as well give up. It's just not worthwhile pushing through. I often say to our church, I said, you know, when a farmer plants a seed, that farmer has got full belief in harvest. So they know that if you've got seed and there's the right soil, you're going to produce a harvest, but you've got to apply hope in the fact that it's a divine law and things are going to change. And so I want to encourage you as well to not let go of hope in these times, wherever you find yourself. Uh, Years and years ago, in fact, uh, our children's pastor, Lionel, uh, he is a great kids pastor, but he was at home. He was telling me the story and uh, it had been raining a lot as it does here in New Zealand a lot. And so the first dry day he went out and he got his son who was only four years old at the time. His name's Tyler. And he said, Tyler, we're going out. You can help dad. I'm going to paint the walls. And uh, why don't you help dad by praying against the clouds? And uh, as soon as he said that, it's kind of like Tyler took off and he's thinking, where is he? Typical boy. And uh, so he begins to paint the house and then he sees Tyler return and Tyler's got two swords in his hands and he's swinging them around and he's, and he's like, like fighting this fight. And he said to Tyler, what are you doing? He says, I'm fighting the dark clouds. I'm fighting the storms. What a reminder that when we were children, we had this ability to see the best in everything, to believe that we could see a turnaround in any situation. And I just pray that today you don't allow your current circumstance, our current circumstances a world, but have that hope of a child that drives us towards our dream. Uh, I've just released a book called Now Hope, and it comes out of this incredible insight I felt like God gave me out of 1 Corinthians 13. And verse 11, and it says this, when, when I was a little child, I spoke like a child and I understood as a child and I thought as a child, but when I became a man or when I grew up and went through some things, I let go of my childish ways, which is a great thing, but it's also a challenge because there are some things when we're young that we don't allow 
to grip our hearts, we resolve quickly and move on, believing for the best in a new day. And then Paul writes and he says, all of us see through a mirror dimly, but one day we are going to see face to face. We only know in part in our humanity, but at the end of time, we will know just as we are known. And then this classic insightful word, and now abide, three things, faith, hope, and love. And that's what got me that love is a foundation of human living. We all desire to be loved. And it's like God says, I'm the God of love. In fact, the Bible says God is love. He's not a judgmental ogre that wants to strike you down when you don't do what you're meant to do. No, he's a God of love. And as you stand on a foundation of love, you can reach in faith to see supernatural things happen. But hope is what connects the two. It's the link. And so in times like this, we're challenged in this series around hope. I've had so much great feedback because literally I believe hope is focused trust. I've got to bring my focus in and say, I'm going to trust in the God that created me. The God that displays himself in creation. You might go, well, I don't believe in the God. Just really look at creation and convince yourself two atoms created all of the balance. And today, as we've done before, it's great to have a couple of great friends of mine, Aaron Manners and Scott Thornton. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us. Honoured to be here. And uh, again, I thought as many of us are in lounge rooms, it's just that we would have some discussions around this thought of hope and Why would you guys say, having had a relationship with God for many years, that trust is such an important factor? Maybe I'll start with you, Erin. You know, I I think trust is something that is foundational to humanity. We all want something to give us a sense of safety and security. And and so when you come into a relationship with God, you discover that there is something greater than yourself that you can put that hope in. If you don't anchor yourself in hope and trust in God, then yep. you'll anchor it in something else. And yeah, whether yeah, that yeah. be, you know, a relationship, a person, money, a career, there's something that we need to put our hope and trust in. Yeah, Was there a time in your life where you had to make a decision to take your trust of some of the things that had been your security into really trusting the God that you knew or didn't know at the time? Yeah, absolutely. Many times. But I think one of the first times when my trust was really challenged was uh, when I early days of becoming a brand new Christian and um, I was in a relationship with a guy I was just 19 years old just discovering who God was and this uh, this guy wasn't a Christian and he didn't want anything to do with my newfound faith and I found myself in this place where I had to make a decision because I knew that the relationship wasn't healthy that it wasn't God's best for me but at the same time in, in my natural humanity I, I enjoyed the security that the relationship provided and so I had to make a decision was I going to trust in God that he had something better for me or was I going to continue living life in my my own way and in the way that I wanted to live at that time and you know for those of you who know my husband (laughs) you'll probably agree with me that I made a really good decision. (laughs) Did he make a good decision? (laughs) Well that's for him to say but I hope so. (laughs) That that thing of trust Scott I think for all of us as Aaron's just said uh, it's only when what we have trusted in is taken or becomes shaky, that we often feel hopeless. And that sense of hopelessness is what brings defeat. Whereas a child, as I said, gets up and goes again. What's your spin on that in your own life? 
Yeah, I think trust is tested most when it's broken. When you live with broken trust, I grew up in a home where some of the relationships that are, that are most important to a child didn't have a lot of trust in them. So at, at some point, that's my decision, though, whether I go, I'm going to let mistrust limit my future or I'm going to decide right. to trust again. And, and we are, like Aaron said, by the way, Simon made a great choice. You're awesome. <laughs> um, I think, yes, we're, we're created to trust God, but we're also created relational as well. And you can't have relationship without trust. Trust is a risky business. It's, if you and I have a great friendship like we do, then I'm putting myself out there that you could break my trust and vice versa. But without that putting yourself out there, then I think we're missing out on God's best yeah. for our life. It's an amazing thing that the Bible teaches, actually. We need to love one another, but our trust needs to be in God. Because yeah. people are going to let us down, even those closest to us, and then sometimes we stand back from the wonder of what it is to have the hope bringer become a part of who we are in our lives. And I've said this a number of times, I, I think if we lose our hope, then what we do is we foster a survival spirit. And there are a lot of people just surviving, just if I can get through this and just make it through. And we slip into maintenance. And even if you have a faith today, I want to encourage you not to allow circumstantial evidence to stop you leaning into God in times where we're not in control. And I think there are too many Christians that have a non-active faith. And maybe even today, you're kind of, you've got a belief in the God of creation and but you've been through some stuff with people and you're an arm's length from God. Well, don't slip into maintenance. Now's the time for us to engender the hope that God brings. Because this is what the enemy understands. You, you, he doesn't want us to live with hope because hope creates a harvest. And so hope is the fuel to faith. And so when you go down in the Bible, I want to read from Romans chapter 12 and verse, uh, rather chapter 5 and verse 1. And the writings of Paul are pretty amazing. He says this, Therefore, since we have been justified or literally forgiven, accepted completely in God's eyes as righteous, by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then it says, Through Jesus we have access by faith into a grace that causes us to stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Then he says, this is what happens if we live with hope, even the trialing, tough times of life. Not only will we stand in hope, but we begin to glory in tribulations. It's kind of like, so we can sing and we can declare God and His goodness. Knowing that tribulation will produce perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character will produce hope. It's like, yeah, so we're in lockdown and, and we've lost our job and the prognosis and the media is all wrong. No, 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 no. Let's glory saying, God, I'm bringing you into this because I can't do it anymore. You are the one I trust. And so the shakier it gets, the noisier I become because I've got to stir up hope in me and I've got to persevere. I've got to just say, I'm not giving way to this and that perseverance is going to develop my character. Also, it's going to cause me to prove God. Because that word character literally means proof. And that proof of God in my life and my circumstances is going to spring forth hope. 
Verse 5, this kind of hope does not disappoint. Wow. And that wonderful challenge is there for all of us that we don't fall or slip back into survival, but literally we are in hope. You know, I think some of the, the harvest of hope are things like this, that first and foremostly, hope opens the door to faith. This is a classic verse. Maybe if you're not used to church, you may not have heard it, but it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. Literally, the writer of Hebrews says, if you lose your hope, you don't have a foundation for faith. So the enemy doesn't want us to unlock the supernatural inclusion of God in our lives. So he attacks our hope. And I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon, who says that faith, hope, and love work together. Faith walks up the stairs that love built to a window that hope opens. So you can have a faith in God and you can know that God loves you, but you've got to activate hope and open that window because once you begin to say, yeah, it's diabolical right now, but it's not the end of the story. It literally is the forerunner for God to move. Were there times, let me ask you, Scott, times in your life, have there been times, and I'm sure there have, where your hope has been under threat? Yeah, absolutely. There's been multiple times, but the one that sticks out the most happened 19 years ago, next month actually, when my wife was giving birth to our first daughter. And she'd had a complicated pregnancy with sickness, but at 30 weeks, uh, we found out that the baby was actually poisoning the, uh, Amanda's bloodstream. And her liver had shut down, her kidneys had shut down, and Amanda's central nervous system had started to shut down. So the doctors said, we have to get this baby out. The only way to stop the progression is to get the baby out. So Michael was born 10 weeks early and I could literally take my wedding ring, put it over her foot and up to her shin on her leg. And it was almost like every day the doctors would come in with something else that could possibly be wrong with this newborn child. And, and I get the medical profession, they have to give you worst case scenario, but one day it was her eyes were going to be bad and then her lungs were going to be bad and then she'd have cognitive dysfunction. And it was almost like every day we'd go into the hospital with this, God, you are going to do something today. And then there'd be another report that would attack that hope. And, and we had to come to a place where we realised that actually this child has been entrusted to us. Yeah. And God, I may be her earthly father, but you're her heavenly father. And you're on her side. So whether she does or doesn't have any of these dysfunctions, that, God, our hope is in your future for her. And, and we had to, we were, I remember my, Amanda would sit for hours and hours and hours and just read Psalm 139 of her in that little incubator. And we had to shift our hope from a good doctor's report to, God, what you say about her in that moment. Because yeah. the challenging times when you can't see it. And the enemy wants to attack Hope, because as we've seen, it's the forerunner to faith. I'll never forget a time where uh, we went through a dark day here at church. One of the, the close couples to us uh, were about to give birth to a baby and uh, only had the news that the baby had died in the womb and, of course, had to give birth to, the, to a stillborn. And I, I, I don't know if life gets much tougher, 
when you have all these expectations and you've got a God that you believe in and yet the death of that baby takes place. And I can't explain it. I think we only see in part, we will understand one day when we're through this world, how it all functions. But in that moment, I, I will never forget just going to my room and tears flowing down my cheeks as I go, it's just not right. It's, it's not fair. And uh, you have that personal grieving. And maybe right now you feel like, man, well, what is going on? Where is God in this? We all have those moments and it's okay. But don't let the enemy take your hope because hope's going to stop you stepping into faith. And, uh, and what reminded me of it was a few years later because after that event, we actually had a, a conference. Uh, I think it was a few months after that baby was born. And I just felt in a conference, which was about leadership, to pray for couples that couldn't fall pregnant. And I just prayed a prayer of faith and just left it there. Two years on, we're walking through an event and this lady grabs me and she says, oh, I've been meaning to email you and talk to you. You know that prayer you prayed a couple of years ago about pregnancies? She says, we are one of six couples we know that fell pregnant in the next couple of months. And I think she said three of them had uh, twins. <laughs> so I'm going, well, I must be a specialist on <laughs> praying for babies. But seriously, six couples that couldn't have babies and I, I think for a moment, had I not pushed through the hopelessness and prayed a prayer with hope, I'm not sure if that faith would have unlocked the supernatural. And for all of us today, can I just encourage you, maintain your hope because hope's the forerunner to faith. The second thing I think that comes from a hope response is the understanding that hope activates a new shout of praise. When you have hope in your heart, as we started today, it was like we're singing songs and we believe those songs because literally as Romans 5 verse 2 says that we are able to have access to God by faith through a grace in which we stand. And I've discovered that on the other side of activating hope, there's a new spirit of praise and you begin to thank God that he is in control when you're not in control and that hope has this divine supply line, but we have the responsibility of the tap where we turn on praise and you say, well, I'm not really a loud person. Well, you don't have to be a loud person, but if you are going to see the harvest of hope, you need to become a praising person. God, okay, my job's gone, but I'm praising you that there's something better in my future. And I'm not just going to back off and, and live a small life. No, I'm going to be somebody where I'm going to rejoice in hope. I, I'm going to have a lean in. I'm, I'm going to go stronger than I've ever gone before. In fact, I, I looked up the word hope and the word hope is to live with expectation, to live in anticipation, to have a confidence to move forward. And I, I love quotes. That's the way my brain works. But I think it was... Uh, Again, let me get the word right. Napoleon Bonaparte, who said that every leader should be a dealer in hope. (laughs) And and seriously, it's like, let's be people that, if we're in a group today, let's stir each other up and say, yeah, it feels like we're getting hemmed in, but praise is going to break us out. Paul and Silas in Acts 16, they're in prison at midnight, got racks running over them, chained up for the gospel's sake. They didn't start complaining to each other. They just made a decision. We're going to worship. We're going to sing. We're going to not let another 
day set where we do not praise the God that's in control. And their story was because of their praise, the chains were broken. Not only were they free, but everybody in the prison was free. I think we're in a day where if you're a believer, be a praiser. Because praise is going to open prison doors. It's going to break change. It's going to turn things around. And for all of us, have there been again, and I'm asking the questions that all of us go through, but for you, Erin, where you've just had to praise your way through it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, About four or five years ago, we were living overseas and I had three young children. We'd had a lot of change over the years prior to that. And I found myself... uh, starting to struggle with anxiety and quite severely to the point where I was feeling very overwhelmed, struggling to cope with just everyday life activities. And that wasn't me. So it was really confusing for me. And while I had, I had faith, I had a belief, I loved God, but I, I was definitely waning in the hope department. Like I could feel my hope being stripped away as that voice coming into my head saying, this is your life now. Yep. You're never going to get free of this. You, you've just got to get used to this. And, and so what I would do is every morning that I woke up, I would put on this song. It's called No Longer Slaves. You, you may know it, but it's a song that really is a declaration that's saying, I won't be a slave to fear anymore. Rather, I'm a child of God. I'm going to live, live in that. And so I'd play that every single morning. And even though I didn't feel like it, I, I felt like I was being contradictory in some senses because here I am singing that I'm no longer a slave where I am a slave to fear in my, in my thoughts and my emotions. I felt like that. But I knew that the word of the truth of God's word was more powerful than the way that I felt. And so praise, that was a massive thing for me that helped me to get through that season of my life. Yeah, amazing. Because we all go through it. Psalm 34 and verse 1 says these words, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not just in the bright times. I will bless the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord and I'm going to praise him with everything that's in my heart. It's kind of like I'm going to shift gears. I love Psalm 9 and verse 1. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. My fear invaded heart. My anxiety ridden heart. I'm going to begin to praise you. And maybe you've never done that, but it just begin by saying, God, if you're really there, then I want to thank you that you've got this and you've got me and you're a part of it. Years ago, I, I read this article how in the Chinese culture, uh, when you go to a wedding, they would often celebrate, obviously, different parts of the bride and the groom. And they'd have this statement, which they would raise their glasses and go, yum, sing. And the first time I was introduced to it was with a group of people that were kind of conservative. But as the night drew on and we were celebrating different events, somebody would get up and go, yum, sing. And I didn't know what they were saying. And so after a few times, they got noisier and noisier. And I said, what is this yum, sing? Well, they said it happens at weddings. I discovered that originally it came from when the Chinese warriors were about to go to war that they would lift their glasses and go, yum, sing with full passion, which meant these words, the victory is ours. And maybe today it's kind of like, we've just got to stand in the middle of the adversity and not see uh, COVID-19 as the end of the story, but we're going to yum, sing it. And, uh, And maybe wherever we are, it's kind of go into today and go, no, on the other side of hope is praise and praise 
breaks, what the enemy's trying to tie us up with. Because I've discovered this, if you lose your song, you lose your life. And today is a day where hope brings praise. Hope brings faith. It's again, the gate pass into so much more than we've ever realized before. And so hope has a harvest. It, It literally for all of us brings the shout of praise, the door of faith. It reflects character. So if I am somebody that says, you know, I've got a depth of character in my walk with God, it's like, well, then I've got the ability to stand up despite all odds and just say, come on, we're going to bring hope. And I'd encourage you wherever you go to buy the groceries, whether you're in full lockdown or you're in, again, self-isolation, you can do it from a meter, but let's bring hope to people. And let's make sure that we are saying, hey, it's not over yet. It's not at the end of the day, it's God's in control and God's got this and we're going to glory, remember, in tribulations. And so that for me is, yeah, uh, as you said, it's, it's a decision of the will to get up and say, hey, we're going to just glorify God. I, I love what we're doing with our daily devotions and, you know, people can join us for that 7 a.m. in the morning and we just... Again, we're just declaring the truth of God and we're praising God. We're praising that more is going to come from this than ever before. But again, let me remind you, if you lose your hope, we foster the survival spirit. And so God wants to take us. And the final thing for me around what hope produces is that hope also, it leads us to a point where it takes us beyond failure. And that's a wonderful moment when you realize that when you center on hope, God reminds you that you are not your past. That what's failing around you, what's failing within you is not the end of God's story. God is there to step into that. And so there is a harvest that comes to hope as long as we keep hope alive. Remember this kind of hope, Romans 5 and verse 5 is a hope that doesn't disappoint. It's a hope that keeps you strong. And uh, if we expect that we're going to be somebody that never fails, we've missed it. You're looking at somebody that is far from getting everything right. In fact, I get more things wrong today than ever before because I'm taking more steps than ever before. And I've realized that failure, the enemy wants to tie me up with, whereas I'm saying, no, if I've never done it before, I'm going to fail. And by the way, sin and failure are two different things. That failure is the ability to learn a lesson that takes you to a new level. And so let's be people that don't listen to the lie of the enemy that wants to take hope from us because hope has a harvest and it's called an understanding of failure. And that failure is taking me into my tomorrow. In fact, I wrote this down this week that failure is always in our future's foundation. That you can't have a greater tomorrow without processing failure today. And I encourage you that God's got you and that God is able to take us all on a journey. And I thought it'd be really good today for us to stop. And church may be a foreign environment to you. Maybe your style of church is different. Maybe somebody just said, hey, come and join us online. And even right now, you're looking at the phone. Do you know that God's presence can meet you through a phone? God's presence can meet you in the prison cell of isolation. God's presence can melt away what you're ashamed about in your past. 
and bring you into alignment with a God that is a God that's full of hope. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.